Oh, thank you. Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. President Putin has made over nuclear threats against Europe. Мы безусловно используем все имеющиеся в нашем распоряжении средства. Это не блеф. We'll use all means at our disposal to protect Russia. This is not a bluff. To transport illegal immigrants up to other parts of the country. I think it's opening people's eyes. And we're going to keep those buses coming. Inflation. He acts like it doesn't even exist. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. Breaking just a few moments ago, National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease Director Dr. Anthony Fauci admitted today that he knew the draconian COVID-19 policies he pushed would lead to collateral negative consequences for the economy and school children. Fauci's comments came during day one of the Atlantic Festival, a three-day convention put on by media outlet The Atlantic, featuring speeches and interviews from prominent members that make the news. During the event, Fauci spoke with The Atlantic editor Ross Anderson in front of a live audience about his experience as the leading medical professional working in the federal government during COVID-19 pandemic. And, you know, you, you you know basically what he would say because he repeats himself all the time. He's always very defensive. But the fact that he came out today and said, yes, we knew that there would be collateral damage due to my draconian. That was his word. That was his word, not mine. He said, due to the draconian implementation of my policies, there was collateral damage. That is the big red flag. And it would be one thing if there wasn't numerous people just shortly into the lockdown that was saying, wait, wait a minute, what's going on here? What are you doing? This is over the top. This is too much. And, uh, and basically, and, and still to this day, you, you have uh, entities that are saying, don't get the vaccine, you don't work here, including our military. Yeah, in other words, sorry, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. Yeah, right, Anthony. Anthony. So uh, Cousin Eddie went and addressed the UN earlier today and reiterated his commitment to helping Ukraine. You know, it's, the Ukraine thing is really interesting. Uh, I, I would quote George Washington in his farewell letter to the nation. He asked, Quote, why should we entangle our peace and prosperity in the toils of European ambition? Uh, that's a good question. And if you think back at, uh, you know, and again, I'm, I'm not, not a fan of Putin. I'm not, you know, I'm not cheering for Putin by any means. But it was interesting that, that Russia invaded Ukraine shortly after Ukraine said, you know, we're going to be striving for uh, nukes and we want to be a, a part of uh, NATO. Uh, now was, I mean, you can speculate that did that have something to do with Russia going in or was Russia going to go in anyway, because Russia did go in and take, uh, Crimea a couple years before that. So it's not like, uh, this, this is a, a pattern of behavior. So I'm not necessarily connecting the, the dots there, but the way Joe talked at the UN today uh, the, the the vast majority of his speech was dealing with Russia and Ukraine, and uh, it it really sounded like 
okay, what is left to do? I mean, the United States has poured hundreds of billions of dollars into Ukraine. Other nations have poured in money into Ukraine. What is left for us to do if we do any more? And I hope this doesn't happen. But, okay, we've sent in military advisors. We've sent in military equipment. Are we going to send in military troops? And if we do... Is this going to be, uh, you know, China and Russia, they've been hand in hand that, you know, they're, they're bosom buddies, she and Putin. And, uh, you know, it's just, it, it's curious. Are, is, is this going to escalate into World War Three, or, you know, and there's, and I, again, I understand you got to have both parties come to the table, but it doesn't look like there's going to be any peace talks anytime soon. But there was one comment that Joe made at the end of his speech that is worth noting. This is cut two, Clark. We are the authors of history. We can do this. We have to do it for ourselves and for our future, for humankind. Thank you for tolerance, for listening to me. I appreciate it very much. God bless you all. So basically, basically Joe is saying, thanks for tolerating me. At the end of his speech, I mean, think of the definition of tolerance, capacity to endure pain or hardship, sympathy or indulgence for beliefs or practices differing or conflicting with one's own, the allowable deviation from a standard. (laughs) That was the only truthful thing he said. Thanks for tolerating me. Yeah. Okay, and be, uh, are you being too hard on him, Tom? I, the guy is constantly doing this kind of. <laughs> I mean, it's just like he's he's a walking punchline. Fox News is reporting ABC, NBC, and CBS have given Biden a pass when it comes to covering the ongoing fentanyl crisis, according to a new study from Media Research Center. Scott Whitlock analyzed the broadcast network morning and evening newscasts from January 1st through September 15th and found that the fentanyl crisis was covered for that entire time for all three networks. The fentanyl crisis was covered for a cumulative 40 minutes. However, how much coverage of the fentanyl crisis as it related to Joe Biden was there on those three networks? 30 seconds. And I'm not kidding. 30 seconds. In eight and a half months of fentanyl stories, ABC, CBS, NBC allowed just two mentions totaling 30 seconds of the man in charge of the immigration policy leading to this drug crisis, Whitlock wrote. Since the beginning of the year, Whitlock found that CBS covered the crisis for 29 minutes, a significant uh, margin over NBC and ABC. NBC came in a distant second at six minutes, 54 seconds. ABC managed a scant two minutes and 57 seconds. The fentanyl crisis. I, I mean, this is unbelievable. This is unbelievable. I mean, we, we are constantly being told that MAGA Republicans are causing death and destruction and violence. And what does ABC give to it? Two minutes and 57 seconds. What do the three networks give to it in terms of, Joe, you've got to own this, 30 seconds. That's it. And by the way, even in those 30 seconds... It was more or less just a link that, yeah, Joe's in charge of the immigration policy and, and uh, yeah, we've got a fentanyl issue. But there wasn't any real blame placed on him. 
The Media Research Center noted that much like other crises during the Biden administration, such as the border, gas prices and baby formula shortage, ABC, CBS, NBC all treated the president as a bystander to these severe problems plaguing America. That's the truth. I mean, they, they act like, oh, well, the, the president, I mean, he can't do anything. He's only the president. Well, what, what do you expect him to do? He's, he's just a bystander like the rest of us, as if it is just pure fate that these things have all happened. Pure fate that when Donald Trump was in there, we had a secure border. And as soon as Joe Biden takes over, this border crisis spikes out of control to the point that we're already over two million for this year. Whitlock found a series of examples, such as the May 10th NBC Nightly News segment that failed to mention Biden. Today is the first ever National Fentanyl Awareness Day. It's an effort by the DEA to spread the word about the synthetic opioid that now accounts for nearly uh, two-thirds of all overdose deaths in the United States, NBC Lester Holt said without acknowledging Biden. Yeah. I mean, is is anybody surprised? (laughs) Uh. So Town Hall is reporting that what Donald Trump said years ago was – which he was totally vilified for. Turns out he was absolutely right. If you remember, Donald Trump said back in 2015 when he was actually campaigning, this is before he was president, that the uh, south of the border, countries south of the border are not sending their best. They're sending people that have lots of problems. They're beginning, they're bringing those problems with us. They're bringing drugs, they're bringing crime, they're rapists, and some, I assume, are good people. And, of course, he was totally vilified for saying that, totally vilified. Well, guess what? According to a new Department of Homeland Security data, 78 individuals on a terror watch list were apprehended at the U.S.-Mexican border this fiscal year, and that's only those who have been caught. There are reportedly uh, more than 850,000 gotaways. A DHS intelligence analysis is asking Border Patrol agents to be on the lookout for hardened Venezuelan inmates the Maduro government may be purposely releasing. That, according to Breitbart, the intelligence report warns agents the freed prisoners have been seen with migrant caravans traveling from uh, the south of Mexico area into Mexico towards the U.S.-Mexican border as recently as July. The source is not authorized to speak to the media. Uh, I, again, this is this is such a, a clown show. And just yesterday, Joe says, well, you know, I've, I've got to deal with Venezuela. I've got to deal with Cuba. I've got to deal with Nicaragua. Uh, so did Donald Trump, Joe. So that, that, that doesn't cut it, Joe. But Donald Trump was right. <laughs> and he was considered a homophobe, racist, whatever-phobe. Because he spoke the truth, and he, and it was Donald Trump speaking the truth. Well, the Federal Reserve today raised its benchmark interest rate by 75 basis points, three-quarters of a point, as it struggles to bring scorching hot inflation under control. The three-quarter percentage point hike in June, July, and September, the most aggravated uh, – I'm sorry, well, it is aggravating, but the most aggressive series of increases since 1994 – and it looks as if this next quarter will be a drop in GDP. 
which means regardless of what Joe says, uh, and everybody knows that, that we're in a recession right now, but regardless of what Joe says, yes, we will officially be in a recession. Thank you, Joe. The uh, By the way, speaking of the border and fentanyl and all that stuff, I did want to bring up a story that was actually in the news yesterday because uh, grandma, grandpa, mom, dad, aunt, uncle, if you got kids in eastern North Carolina, listen to this closely and carefully. This is out of WITN. Several students at an eastern Carolina middle school, Hope Middle School outside of Greenville, were treated last Friday at ECU Health after showing signs of impairment. The Pitt County Sheriff's Office say about at 9.30 a.m., several Hope Middle School students were acting abnormally and showing signs of impairment. Deputies say that during the resulting investigation, a package of THC gummies and a quantity of marijuana were seized. Jaqueen Spruill, 14, was one of the students affected. His family was alerted. He had passed out in gym class. Paramedics were on the way. Uh, his grandmother immediately went to the hospital. Uh, I, I bring this up because, thank goodness, it was only THC. Uh, tell your kids in no uncertain terms, I don't care if it's their best friend offering them any candy. Don't take it. These were, these were THC-laced gummies. It could have just as easily been a fentanyl-laced gummy or smarty pill or whatever you want to call them. Please warn your kids. Please warn your kids. Don't touch them. Literally, literally, it could kill you. we got to take a time out. Lots more to talk about. Wednesday's edition of News and Views continues right after this. This is your Drive at Five, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right. How long has it been since uh, we've seen temperatures in the 40-degree uh, range? Well, it looks like you're going to see it Friday night. Weather looks great, and it's going to cool down a little bit, so uh, get ready. You might have to pull out a, a sweatshirt Friday evening if you're taking a little walk around the neighborhood. Clear skies tonight, a low of 67, generally sunny on Thursday. A few afternoon clouds, maybe a stray shower, a high of 93. That is maybe the last day we're going to see in the 90s for a while. Friday, much cooler, a high near 71. Low Friday night, 49. Yeah, sounds good to me. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction. (laughs) Yeah, what happened to global warming? Uh, remember yesterday we were talking about this, uh, guy in North Dakota. I just mentioned it into the program guy named Shannon Brandt, 41. He, uh, was mad at a 18 year old man by the name of Kaylor Ellingston. He, uh, ran over the 18 year old and killed him basically because he said, well, he was a Republican and we got in a disagreement. Now he said, now, he was in a car by himself, but he said, well, I was fearful because uh, this 18-year-old was gathering a bunch of people to come after me. You're in a car. 
you flee. If, I mean, if, if sincerely you think that was the issue, you get away. You drive to the police station and tell them. You don't take your car and run over the kid. Well, guess what? He's out. He's out. Posted $50,000 uh, bond, and uh, he's, he's out of jail. And this is North Dakota. I mean, I'd expect that in Minneapolis, but North Dakota? So he's charged with criminal vehicle, uh, vehicle vehicular homicide and leaving the scene of a crash. Uh, what's the difference between – I mean, he admitted he did it. It's, he didn't He didn't say, oh, oh, my gosh, I accidentally hit this guy, ran over him. It was an accident. He, he called up the police officer in 911, turned himself in, said I did it because we had an argument. He is, He's representing a bunch of Republican zealots. Is I'm paraphrasing. That's basically what he said. What's the difference between running a guy over deliberately like that and pulling out a gun and shooting him? Wow. little surprised that North Dakota would uh, go that way. By the way, I, I mentioned, I want to mention again, the young lady who uh, was run over on her motorcycle, she was a sheriff's deputy out in Colorado. And uh, Octavio Gonzalez Garcia, who was drunk, ran her over and killed her, 23-year-old. Um, Weld County Sheriff Steve Ream said officials at the crime scene recovered a falsified green card and a fake Social Security card from, Gonz- from Gonzalez Garcia's vehicle, as well as evidence suggesting he was intoxicated. Um, You know, talking about the border, uh, tell me, uh, liberals, please tell me again how compassionate you are because you desire to have open borders and sanctuary states. Please, please go explain your ideology to this young lady's parents, Alexis Heinunz. 23-year-old officer, cute as a button, and just starting life, just starting her career. Please go go tell me, explain to me, liberals, how compassionate you are because you have these open borders. And please go explain that to um, Alexis' parents. I'm sure they'd love to hear you. Carolina Journal is reporting the John Locke Foundation has signed on to a federal friend of the court brief challenging the federal government's use of subpoena to chill political speech in Alabama. This is an important story, and you need to pay attention to this. The brief asks a court to prohibit the weaponization of the civil litigation process against organizations with whom the United States government disagrees. And we have seen this pattern over and over again. Uh, we're going to get to the story about um, this uh Letitia James up in New York, attorney general up there, coming after Donald Trump. And it's very obvious. It's just uh, political gotcha. We see the Mar-a-Lago. We see the January 6th people being imprisoned. This is just this, – this story is just another example how liberals are taking a iron fist, a sledgehammer to kill a gnat. John Locke Foundation is one of more than 50 organizations, state legislators, members of Congress, and individuals to back the brief filed Tuesday in the case Bo versus Marshall. 
The dispute stems from Alabama's debate over the Vulnerable Chair Compassion and Protection Act. It banned hormone treatments and gender reassignment surgeries for minors. Basically, what they've done in Alabama is saying, no, you're not going to come in. You're not going to give these kids chemicals, testosterone for young ladies and puberty blockers for young men. We're not going to do it. You're not going to take a knife to them. You're not going to cut off their testicles. You're not going to cut off their breast. You're not going to do it. And this is the law that the Biden administration wants to fight. The Biden administration's U.S. Justice Department has filed a lawsuit against the Alabama law. A federal judge agreed in May to block enforcement of the measure while the court case proceeds. In August, the U.S. Attorney General's office in Birmingham issued a subpoena to the group Eagle Forum of Alabama, a very conservative group that has gotten behind and really promoted this law, Vulnerable Child Compassion and Protection Act, the Eagle Forum of Alabama. They, the U.S. Attorney's Office has come to Eagle Forum. They've got one full-time employee. I mean, this is, this is a fairly small, potent, but fairly small operation. They've got one full-time employee. They've got some, some volunteers there. But the U.S. Attorney's Office in Birmingham has come and told them, we want all the information related to your nonprofit's legislative activities promoting the disputed legislation all the way back to 2017. That's five years. I mean, legally, do you have to keep that material for five years? I don't think so. The case is a transparent use of the civil litigation process to chill the speech and political organizing of those who hold views contrary to the United States and the Justice Department. The subpoena harms not just members of the public across all ideological and political spectrum, but it will inhibit, it will be inhibited from open discourse and petitioning, but also legislators themselves who benefit from hearing from their constituents without those citizens fearing subsequent federal investigations seeking reams of protected materials. In other words, if you don't agree with our ideology, if you don't agree with our progressive woke agenda, we're coming after you. When you have a success, we're coming after you. We'll go judge shopping. We'll find a judge to stop the law. And then we'll find some people that we know cannot compete with the United States government. And again, these people, all of us, are paying the freight. We're paying these people to do these kind of heinous acts against against good American citizens. Kudos for John Locke getting aboard on this. And I, I really do think it might get all the way to the Supreme Court. I do think Alabama will prevail in this. And listen, by the way, Alabama is leading the parade in terms of conservative values. I am so impressed. And really, Governor Ivey, she's a Republican, and she's, she's a good, good, good governor. But I wouldn't call her a Ron DeSantis. I mean, she is, she's conservative, but she probably hedges on a few things here and there where I don't see Ron DeSantis hedging on anything. Uh, Josh Hawley. Senator from Missouri will introduce legislation or did introduce legislation today that puts colleges and universities on the hook for student debt. Now, I don't think this will go anywhere right now. It might after the election. The bill was first obtained by the Daily Caller and is entitled 
make the Universities Pay Act, the legislation would require institutions of higher education participating in the federal direct student loan program to pay 50% of any student loan balance that's in default. The Make the Universities Pay Act would also allow student loan debt to be discharged in bankruptcy and allow undergraduate student loan debt to be discharged five years after the first payment is due, while graduate student loans can be discharged 15 years after the first payment is due. In addition, the bill requires each institution of higher education participating in federal financial aid programs to publish postgraduate outcomes, including mean and medium earnings of graduates and the student loan default rates disengaged by each degree. Um, I'm sorry, uh, uh, indicated by each degree and or the program of study. Uh, again, Joe has come out, which I think this is going to be reversed when it gets to court, but he's forgiving $10,000 per borrower, uh, $20,000 for Pell Grants. And again, why, does it, why, why do you call it a Pell Grant if you got to pay it back? A grant is a grant. Uh, nonetheless, I mean, I like this because, listen, when they forgive these loans, somebody's got to pay for these loans. And a lot of these student loans are not being paid back by the students. So um, these, uh, you know, it's like the housing crisis. The banks are on the hook. These people go out and make these loans that are unsecured. And uh, the taxpayers just supposed to come in and bail them out again. Uh, Let's take a time out. I got a story I want to get into about American banks and credit card companies and how they're treating gun owners and consumers. And uh, kudos to Tom Tillis. He did something right for a change. We'll talk about that when we get back. Oh, thank you. Ride shotgun with your 5 o'clock drive. Well, the drive home should be a delight. This is Tom Lamprecht with more news and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome back in. The Washington Free Beacon is reporting two of America's biggest banks are facing allegations that they discriminate against conservative companies. Allegations they may be forced to address during a hearing tomorrow in the Senate. Both Chase and Bank of America are sent to testify in front of Congress as a part of a Senate Banking Committee's annual oversight of the nation's largest banks. The hearing comes just days after those banks faced allegations that they refused to work with a conservative-aligned coffee company, the Black Rifle Coffee Company. You've probably heard it advertised here on uh, our stations because they felt the company posed a reputational risk. Emails obtained by the Washington Free Beacon corroborate those allegations. In one 2018 exchange with Black Rifle, Chase executive Mark Outlaw said the bank would, quote, love to do business with a veteran-affiliated company like Black Rifle, but cited, quote, issues related to the company's name and mission. Black Rifle, for example, features coffee beans such as AK-47 and Silencer Smooth. And its CEO, Evan Hafner, told the New York Times he voted for former President Donald Trump. Let me ask you this. Um, Chase Bank and Bank of America, do you do business with Black Lives Matter? Or did you? I mean, I don't know if they're in business now because what's-her-name stole all the money and uh, went off and bought a bunch of houses. But did you do business with Black Lives Matter? I bet you did. I bet you wouldn't have turned them down. 
Uh, Black Lives Matter, the group that chants at police, pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon. Was that an issue? Well, I didn't think it was. So we've got that, and uh, hopefully we'll have uh, some strong questions asked. Town Hall is reporting that credit card companies have found a new way to go after gun owners. This week, two dozen Republican attorneys generals warned three major credit card companies to not move forward with plans to add a new merchant code for gun-related purchases. The attorneys general sent the letter to the CEOs of American Express, Visa, and MasterCard. In the letter, the attorneys general described how the new policy does not respect Americans' Second Amendment rights. As our respective states' chief legal officers, we we are tasked with protecting the constitutional rights of our citizens, defending our consumers from privacy intrusions and other abuses, and enforcing antitrust laws accordingly. We share our concerns and ask that you take immediate action to comport with our consumer protection laws and respect the constitutional rights of all Americans. Visa announced that it will start separately categorizing sales made on their payment methods at gun shops. That ought to get your attention. A report from the Associated Press described this as a major win for those in favor of gun control, claiming it will help better track suspicious surges of gun sales and would be a prelude to a mass shooting. So, in other words, if you want to go out and purchase a gun, if you do it on your visa, you are going to be put in a special category by visa that will most certainly be shared with the federal liberal Department of Justice and Homeland Security. No doubt about it. What would I do if I was going to go out and buy a new gun today? I'd pay cash. Now, of course, again, you're going to have to take the cash out in small increments because what if you take it more than 600 out, they're going to uh, put you on a track. Um, Tom Tillis actually came out with a uh, rather positive comment on this. Tom Tillis Uh, This week, and 11 of his Senate Republican colleagues sent a letter to the CEOs of Visa, MasterCard, and American Express condemning their removal of gun store transactions from the general merchandise merchant category code. Now, again, they're not – you know, first of all, they say, well, we're not going to allow you to purchase a gun with our cards. Then they backed off of that and said, well, we'll just put you in a special category. Now, was that deliberate? Absolutely. I mean, first of all, we'll come in and say, you can't purchase – Okay, well, uh, we, Visa and MasterCard and others, we're reasonable people. We'll let you purchase them, but we'll report you. We'll put you on a special list. This decision, which is already being hailed by radical anti-gun activists, is the first step towards backdoor gun control on law-abiding Americans. This is from Tom Tillis. Creating a new merchant code for gun transaction is a choice being made by each of your companies. You are choosing the side of gun control advocates over the privacy and Second Amendment rights of millions of law-abiding Americans. Your companies are the facilitators of the vast majority of daily financial transactions in America, and that gives you incredible influence over everyday commerce and thus every American's very way of life. If you are intent on abusing that influence, 
you will leave Congress no choice but to intercede on behalf of our constituents and all of our law-abiding Americans who will not stand by as large banks and the payment networks that serve them do an end run around the constitutional Second Amendment rights to keep and bear arms. That was a very powerful paragraph. Now, Tom Tillis and these other 11 senators, will you please follow up on that? Uh, don't give us a bunch of uh, sizzle and no steak. Don't don't come out here a month, two, a month and a half before the election and uh, show us how conservative you are and do nothing to follow up. And listen, people will follow up on this on you if you don't. Uh, and, you know, I'll, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt, but make sure you do. This will make your blood boil. Washington Free Beacon, the nation's top early childhood development organization, which has received more than $230 million in federal funds since 2008, claims that children as young as two years old can show signs of transgender identity and encourages educators to use tenets of the critical race theory when they work with newborns. The group Zero to Three promoted these controversial views during its virtual conference this month, which included educational sessions entitled, What Does It Mean to Be Transgender and How Can You Support Kids Who Might Be? And Elevating Racial Equity in the First Thousand Days, Protecting, Promoting, and Preserving the Health, Wealth, and Learning of Our Families and Babies. Now, again, we have the Biden administration who wants to go in and sue and change the law in Alabama because Alabama passed a law saying you're not going to slice and dice these young kids. You're not going to give them chemical castrations. You're not going to give the young ladies chemicals that will uh, give them deeper voices and et cetera. They'll go after that. But but here you've got a I – mean, in Alabama, I mean, you know, that that's an entity that is not – I mean, I'm sure they receive federal dollars, as every state does. But here you've got an organization that has received already, since 2008, $230 million. They're on tap to, uh, to receive another $52 million by 2027. And this is what they're promoting. And the Biden administration would be perfectly happy with it. The Biden administration, in fact, is the one that is wanting to give them the additional $52 million. The Obama administration got behind this group, and they thought they were great. They did everything they could to help them. Um, You know, this is – well, John King, the former Secretary of Education for the Obama administration, delivered the keynote address for the September conference. (laughs) You've got got the Obama administrators in bed with this zero-to-three organization, and no doubt he got a nice fat paycheck. Since uh, back in 2008, when they received this $250 million, $230 million, uh, Obama was president. Yeah, so it's, uh, okay, you scratch our back, we'll scratch yours kind of thing. And, uh, yeah, we'll, yeah we, can, we can cut you a check for a half million dollars, come give some lame speech. But why in the world? Why in the world? Uh, I, again, this is another great example how the American taxpayer ends up funding this radical agenda, this sexual, radical, transgender agenda that is literally ruining the lives of hundreds and thousands of young people. And look, there's no going back. 
You can't reattach testicles. You can't reattach breast. Well, I guess you can give a breast implant, but this is unbelievable. And the Biden administration, they're all for this. Zero to three. got to take another time out. Stay with us. I'll be right back. Back to the show. It really makes you think. He is a genius. He's all powerful. He brought a kind of heat. He could be the best. Just don't hurt yourself, okay? More news and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. So all kinds of media outlets are reporting on New York Attorney General Letitia James. She came out at a news conference today, and uh, basically she has filed a lawsuit against Donald Trump and his family members, saying that there are numerous acts of fraud and misrepresentation. Now, here's the good news. The good news is they have nothing on Donald Trump. I mean, if this is what she is going after, that basically when he would go in to get a loan or was doing a personal financial statement or a company financial statement, she is saying, well, some of the values you put on some of these buildings seem to be inflated. Uh, this, this is the big crime. This is the huge crime that Letitia James, she has nothing on Donald Trump. This is a desperation move. This is almost like, I think we caught him jaywalking one time. I mean, listen, how many people, most of our listeners, you've, you go out to get a loan, you got to put together a financial statement. So they say, well, and even the banks say, look, I, I've got to get this approved. I want to get this approved. So make it look as good as you possibly can. I mean, that's what the banks tell you. I mean, they're not saying, you know, make things up. But when you give a value to your home, I mean, look around and see what the highest home in the neighborhood sold for and put that square footage down for your square footage. Make it look good. Is this the big, terrible crime? Again, and in the meantime, Hunter Biden. Oh, who's he? Did he do something wrong? Wow. But uh, what's interesting is... This is clearly a part of her political agenda. And by the way, she's in trouble. Now, I don't know that this is going to help her campaign clause, but she's up for a re-election. And right now, the Republican, Michael Henry, is beating her 44.2% to 43%. Again, that's very, very close, 12% undecided. President Donald Trump blasted the investigation quote, another witch hunt by a racist attorney general, Letitia James, who failed in a run for governor, getting almost zero support from the public, and now is doing poorly against law and order AG candidate, highly respected Michael Henry. I never thought this case would be brought until I saw her really bad poll numbers. She's a fraud who campaigned on a get Trump platform, despite the fact that the city is one of the crime and murder disasters of the world under her watch. So listen to what she has said over the last weeks and months concerning her current campaign. Cut one. What is fueling my soul right now is Trump. Will you sue him for us? Oh, we're going to definitely sue him. We're going to be a real pain in the ass. I look forward to going into the office of Attorney General every day, suing him and then going home. He said I know my name personally. Yeah. So that's what she's all about. I mean, her her campaign is let me get Donald Trump. I'm coming after Donald Trump. 
She somehow thinks, uh, you know, the problem is these liberals only hang around with other liberals. They never go outside their bubble. They never read any publications outside their bubble. Listen, I read the Washington Post and I read the New York Times. Sometimes I have to, you know, it's hard to keep my lunch down. But uh, they, they never go outside of their comfort zone. And they think that everybody thinks like they think. And she's all about getting Donald Trump. And she thinks, if I go out and get Donald Trump, it's a slam dunk. I'm going to win. She hangs around people that pat her on the back and say, yeah, yeah, that's the way to go. Uh, it'll be interesting to say. Now, I'm not saying she's she's already lost it. It's a very, very close race. Uh, but with the crime that's going on in New York, I would not be surprised to see. And, and listen, it, it for a lot of these people – they're going to vote for a law and order attorney general, regardless if they're black, if they're red, if they're yellow, if they're white, if they're independent, if they're Democrat, even if they're Democrat, if they're Republican. Now, I know a lot of Democrats have blinders on and they don't see it, but there'll be enough Democrats that say, you know what, I'm tired of getting mugged. I'm tired that I can't walk down to the local convenience store just two blocks away without getting mugged. I'm tired of the good guys getting slammed and the bad guys getting off scot-free. I think you're going to see a lot of attorney generals that are currently in office as their re-election time comes up get booted out of office. And that is with George Soros giving them hundreds of thousands of dollars for each of their campaigns. And thanks for being with us. We'll do it again tomorrow. Play a little political trivia. We'll see you then. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.